It's good to be with you guys this evening. Um, you know, I just want to take a moment to give some honor for the pastors of this house. If you don't know, uh, don't take for granted being part of a New Life Church in Conway. Um, well, you got it good, let me tell you. The caliber of leadership that is at this church is pretty much unmatched. You, you are blessed to have the pastors that you do in this house, from Pastor Rick and Michelle, Neil and Gina, and then, of course, Amir and his soon-to-be bride, Beth. Hey, uh, that's my little man he's got over there. There you go. Hey, Duda. <laughs> um, and so I just want to take a moment to, uh, I just want you to put your hands together for all your pastors that you have. Let's just take a moment to honor them. And so tonight I want to talk to you a little bit about, you know, what to do when God calls you to something. Because God has uniquely, fearfully, wonderfully made you to do something specific to you, okay? So I just want to talk a little bit about it. It actually comes out of our one-year Bible reading from this past week. Um, just what to do when God calls you to that thing, that sweet spot in your life. We're going to get a little nerdy first, okay? We're going to get a little nerdy first. I know, I, yeah. So my pastor is Pastor Marcus Brown. He's renowned for uh, putting a flip chart on stage and then never using it, <laughs> you know? Uh, one, of, one of his friends moved up there to be our, he's our youth pastor now, and he was literally there for an entire year, and Pastor Marcus never used the flip chart once. So I promise I'm going to deliver here. Um, I want to go back to something Andy said first, though, about the idea of, quit, of equipping you, um, because summer tends to be like a time where we can relax, get a little lazy, get out of our routine. And those are not necessarily bad things, right? To get a little rest, to be refreshed. But it's really a season where you could press into the things of God more than you normally do when you get into the hectic season of being in school or being in work. Because even if you're in a career, summertime, it just feels like everything kind of relaxes a little bit. And you're able to press into the things of God. And so over the next few weeks, when you have these people come in to teach the Bible to you, to equip you, to impact the communities that you're in, I just pray that you would take advantage of this season that you have over this summertime to be able to press in and hear from God, okay? That's why we come to do this thing, is so that we can get a direct word from God, kind of like the so, parable of the sower that Pastor Amir talked about. All right, three circles. Here, here's, we've been working on this idea of, uh, of, of basically your calling in life, okay? And uh, there's these three circles, and they all come together, and right in the middle, that's that sweet spot, okay? This is what you're called to do by God, Okay? Uh, we're still working on this, so some of the verbiage is really terrible. So maximum kingdom impact is what we call that right now. All right, that sounds terrible. So we'll just call it what you're called to do in life, okay? It all starts with this, and it's your relationship with God. Okay? Your relationship with God. That's where the passion for to, to, to do the things of God comes from, the vision, the dreams that you have. It all comes out of a relationship with God, your work ethic, the image that you have about yourself. And the more time that you spend in your relationship with God, you'll stop looking at yourself. You'll stop looking at yourself at your own image, and you'll start seeing yourself as the image that you were really created in, and that's in the image of God, okay? You'll start to spend more time with him, 
have a more intimate relationship with him, get closer to him, and then you'll start to see yourself as God sees you. And that's when you're going to start to walk into the things that God has called you to do when you start seeing yourself like God sees you. Then it moves you into the second area, uh, another one that has a really terrible name, not very creative. We should kick this to the creative team because they're way better than me at this. God's toolbox. <laughs> that's for the men in the house. Uh, God's, uh, I don't know, jewelry box for you ladies. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know. That's, that's the only box thing that came to mind. So there you go. God's toolbox. That's, that's the things God has just given you. Gifts, talents, IQ. Uh, during the Relate Conference, Pastor uh, Chris Hodges talked about just having a natural grace to do things. God has given you a grace in areas to do things that come easily to you that are very difficult for other people. I can tell you, Maddie Huber has a gift with music that is difficult for most people. Okay? I don't even, he just blows my mind. Okay? I'm just telling you right now. Um, and there's a bunch of people in here that I could talk about. God just has a natural grace on your life to be able to do things. And they all come out of having a relationship with him. Then you start to discover some of the things that God has for you and that he's done inside of you. Proverbs 25, verse 2, it says, This is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to search things out. It is your job to dive into the things of God, the things that he has concealed deep inside of you, and to begin to search those things out. And it all comes out of a relationship with him. The third circle is experience. I have terrible handwriting, so I hope you're writing it down off what I say, not off what I write. What in the world is that? Oh, Lord. Megan should have came and uh, wrote for me. That's embarrassing. I'm sorry. Um, I apologize. Not I'm sorry. No. Got me. If you know me, you understand why I said that. Anyways, and and this is the experience side is the thing. I I think it's the area we get it wrong a lot of times in, right? So under this is going to be how you grew up, what the situation you grew up in. I grew up in a divorce home, single parent dad, not a believer, like Amir told you. That shaped me who I am today. You're going to have victories in your life. You're going to have weaknesses. You're going to lose sometimes. You're going to have some pain in your life. And a lot of times when we try to get people plugged into what they're called to do, we say, okay, you're strong at this, and you're gifted at this, and you're good at this. But a lot of times, God will use the most pain that you have ever been through to put you right in the sweet spot calling of your life. And I've never seen a better example than with uh, our pastor's wife. I think I'm done with this. Um, pastor Marcus's wife, last February, she got a diagnosis. Um, you know, I don't even like to talk about the, the diagnosis, but, you know, it's one of those weighty ones, you know, because we don't speak that over her because she's been healed. And so I don't even talk about it like she has it anymore. Um, but she got a pretty bad diagnosis. And uh, she went through a lot of pain, went through a lot of suffering. But through it, man, she's hit the sweet spot right here because God took her relationship. She, she loved God, great relationship with God. And he started to plant a vision and a dream inside of her of some ministry that she could do. And she had some great gifts. She's, you put her one-on-one with any girl, it's over, right? Like she's the bomb ministry, okay? I'm just telling you. Uh, she can sing, okay? God gave her some gifts. He didn't use the good times. He didn't use the strengths. He took the pain, and he gave her a ministry. Now she goes up to the hospital. People are getting chemo treatments. She's singing. She's giving them gifts. She's talking to them. She's praying over them, right? God used all this, and she's been doing ministry for every, you know, 20 years with Marcus, and she's starting to hit this 
this sweet spot. Talk to Andy about a sweet spot. Andy's got a mean softball swing. Let me tell you, don't play softball. He don't play. He's playing for keeps out there, all right? I'm just telling you. And he can tell you, especially on a softball bat, or if you ever play baseball, maybe play tennis, well, you know when you hit that sweet spot. You don't even feel it come off the bat in softball. Well, you hit that thing, boom, you don't feel it come off the bat. It just comes naturally, and you just know it's where you're supposed to be. Your sweet spot is the same way. You're, man, God has just gifted you in such a way to get right into the calling that he has for you that it's going to just, the transition is going to be so smooth, just like hitting that sweet spot. And you're going to know that you're in the place that you're supposed to be, just like when you hit that softball. You know you're supposed to be where you're at. And that's my prayer for you guys because you're at a season in life when I see many, many people figure out exactly what God has called them to do. Exactly that maximum kingdom impact, what God has gifted you to do. It was for me the same way. And, and when God calls you to do something, it's going to be something significant. And a lot of times it's going to feel overwhelming. You're going to feel like, man, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if that, if, if I'm exactly, if, if, are you sure, God? You got me? It's going to feel like that, and that's okay. Because when you, wherever you're weak, that's where God can show he's strong. And through God, nothing is impossible. And so I just want to talk you through um, a guy who had a pretty, uh, he had a pretty serious calling going on. Um, this guy named Ananias, we just read about him. So I'm going to read you a passage of scripture, and then we're going to get this thing rolling. I meant to hit my clock. He told me 30 minutes, so i got to get rolling here. Acts 9, 10 through 19. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. That's what I'm trying to be, on Straight Street. I read that, I'm like, come on, Straight Street. And ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call, the, who call on your name. But the Lord said, Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and, the ki and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house. He entered, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. And he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. You want to talk about an overwhelming calling? He didn't go to see Paul. He was going to see Saul. That's a lot of, that's a big difference. Okay, don't, don't get it twisted. This ain't the guy who's writing the Bible, right? If you back it up a chapter, Acts 8.1, and Saul approved of his execution. Talking about Stephen. They stoned Stephen. He approved. You may have done a lot of messed up stuff in your life. You didn't see a guy get killed and start, like, nodding your head like, you got it, man. Good job, buddy. You know, like, you're not nodding your head in approval. This is a bad guy. And not only, if you back up a few more verses in chapter 9 from where we just read, you see it says that Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. He was even requesting letters from the synagogue of people who, to try to see if they were uh, professing to be believers so that he could track them down. And God picked Ananias. And he said, I want you to go up and say, 
I follow Jesus, basically, right? He's going he's gonna to pray for him. He's, he's like saying, hey, I follow Jesus to the guy who is killing those people, okay? he got to feel overwhelmed. He's got to feel like he can't do it, that it's something that's way bigger than him. And that's what oftentimes what God, it feels like when God calls us, okay? And I think Ananias does three, New Life Church three points here, three things uh, really, really well that we can all take note from whenever we're following the calling that God has on our life. The first thing, oh, I wanted to, I got to tell you this. I just changed the name of my points like an hour ago. You got to know a couple things. I was just trying to get like real, I don't know, not gangster or hood, but just like different about it, right? Because it's like, I feel like our points are always so polished and nice and well-groomed, and uh, that ain't me. So here we go. Number one, you better recognize. That's number one. You better recognize. Verse 10, the Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The first thing for you to be able to even experience the call of God on your life, and definitely when you feel like you get that calling, that sweet spot in your life, is you've got to be able to recognize the voice of God in your life. And there are a lot of other voices that are going to be telling you what you should be doing with your life. And so not only are you going to hear a lot of voices, but you've got to be able to recognize God's voice speaking in your life. There is not a word between God speaking to Ananias and Ananias answering. He asked, Ananias? No words. Yes, Lord. Immediately, he understood. This was the voice of God calling out to him. It'd be like if, uh, if Amir was walking, Amir, bam, you know, like, okay, call. And he said, what's up, right? It's literally that fast is how he recognized the voice of God in his life. And there's going to be these other voices, right? And, and you know what the tough part about it is? Is that some of these voices, they're, they're good voices in your life. Right? They're good boys. Parents. How many know parents have an idea of how your life should turn out? Right? I don't care if you're in school, you're in work, you got a family. Let me tell you, I'm married six years, I have a kid, two and a half year old son, almost three year old son. Oh, wow. My, he turns three in like two weeks. Uh, a three year old son. Oh, I got a girl on the way. Can y'all pray for me? Please? <laughs> Please. I got a little girl on the way, and uh, I'm going to start buying guns. That's what I decided. <laughs> guns. Um, Anyways, your parents, right? I, I've been, her, her parents still have an idea of things we should be doing in our lives. It doesn't matter what stage of life you're in. You got parents, they got an idea of what you should be doing in your life. Is that a bad thing? Absolutely not. Is it always what God wants for your life? I don't know. You got to be able to recognize God's voice, even in other people's counsel. Might be somebody that you respect, might not be God. Another one, friends, right? Friends, we're going to take a little side note here, because in the stage of life that you guys are in, you need to know two things about your life. Number one, for you to be able to succeed in this season of life, you have to know your identity in God. Who are you in Jesus Christ? Okay, number one, part of that is what he's called you to do. Number two is that you've got to be surrounded by godly friends, because whoever's closest to you is directing your life. I don't need to know you at all. You tell me who, who your five closest friends are, I know exactly where you're headed. Why? Because it's the people, the community that you have. That's why we're in here doing this. That's why when you break out and, you know, like when, we, when I finish, when, when I finish, uh, <laughs> you're going to talk to your group. You're going to get to know some people. You're going to share some things. This is godly community. You need these people. Some other areas, social media. Oh, man, the, the few people who just showed up from Fort Smith will tell you, every time we meet on Sunday nights, I talk about social media. I, and it's weird. 
because I, it's not like I don't use social media, but I'm on like a social media rampage myself. Um, because here's the deal. Oh, here we go. Um, this isn't my notes. Sorry, Amir. Uh, we, we have become a society of instant gratification. Am I right? Like everything's at our fingertips, and when we post something, we want to know how many hearts and how many likes and how many followers do I have, and I need this, and even our worship guy, he's taking stuff down if it doesn't get a good response on Facebook, right? We want the instant gratification, but we follow a God who is a God of the process and who is forming you into something. And so you're thinking, man, like, I, man, man, let's go, God, move here, move here, move here, move here. And he's saying, no, 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 I'm trying to teach. You're trying to learn something. I'm trying to form you into something here. And we all want it like this. That's why I don't like social media. Plus, social media is always telling you what you should look like. Right? You should dress like this. You should talk like this. You should do this in your life. This is, the, this is what culture says you should do. And it's all these voices, all these voices. And in the midst of all of that, you've got to be able to recognize the voice of God. Got a lot of notes up here. Um, and, and Jesus actually, he gives us the prescription for doing this. He says, it's easy. John 10, 3 through 5. To him, he says, I am the good shepherd. That's what this passage is from. He says, the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. We could, I should have just done this. I was reading this a minute ago. I was like, I should just preach out of this. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. When you go home, don't do it now. Don't pull out your phone. You need to YouTube, like, sheep listening to shepherds, okay? It is the, I'm telling you, this I am good shepherd passage will come alive when you actually see what he's talking about. It's like these people are coming up and like yelling and making all these noises. And the sheep are dumb. They don't care about nothing, okay? You can try to give them food. They ain't doing nothing. And then the moment the shepherd makes this weird, crazy voice, they come sprinting over to him. They just run everything they got. Everything they got, they come busting it over to the shepherd. And you know why? It's because they spend time with the shepherd. They, they're under the voice of the shepherd all the time. They hear his voice all the time. And so when I talk about recognizing God's voice, let's get down to the practical. You've got to be spending time with the shepherd. You've got to hear his voice, get in his word. My, my, uh, my theme verse for the year, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, two reasons. why it's a, One, it's a good verse. Number two is three words, pray without ceasing. That's an easy one to remember, you know. God knows. He said, hey, I'm going to give you a verse. We're going to start easy. Three words, right? Pray without ceasing. When you wake up, when you're driving to work, when you're driving to school, when you sit down to eat, it's just like meditating on God's word. Prayer can be the same thing. When you rise, when you go to bed, when you sit down to eat, when you're driving, you've got to be in the presence of God. You've got to be able to hear his voice. Good? Number two. This is so stupid. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I changed these points. I am, I am sorrowful about the fact that I changed these. Number two, I'm going to shake them haters off. <laughs> and that, that's, that's dim, dim haters. That's not TH. That's a dim. Hang on. I'm a mess. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I take advantage of these moments when I get to be in front of you guys. Verse 13. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man. Notice where he heard it from. He said, I have heard from many. 
about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has the authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. I want you to know this. I'm going to save you some heartbreak and a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety. Because when God calls you to that sweet spot, that maximum kingdom impact, there will be people who disagree. You will face opposition. You will face haters. The enemy is going to try to stop you from what God has called you to do. Jesus said it. I, I, I want to make my own translation where it's like a, a Bible, a little more hood. Haters going to hate. And that's what Jesus said. Jesus, look at this. John 15, 18. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. What's he saying? Haters going to hate. Right? They hated him. They hated Jesus. I don't know. The, I don't think we're going to get anywhere close to the ministry of Jesus. And they hated him. They're going to hate us. Okay? I promise you, you're going to have a bullseye once you start living the life that God has called you to do. But, you know, God, he, he don't sweat it. He, he knows exactly what you're going through. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken you. Notice the enemy will try to tempt you to quit. The haters in your life, the people that are going to be speaking against you, are for the sole reason to get you to quit doing the things that God has for you. But God says, no temptation has overtaken you that's not common to man. That's why you need godly community. I need to be able to go up to Daniel and say, look, Daniel, man, the, I, you know, I know God's called me to do this, but, but the enemy's really pressing on me. He's like, man, you know what? I've been through that. I've been there. But God says, it won't, it's all right. You got it. It won't overtake you. We've, we've been there. The enemy will try to isolate you by yourself and make you think, get you stirred up in the mind that you're going through this by yourself. Godly community, that's why you need it. You need other people going along with it. So God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you will be able to endure it. God is faithful. He has enabled you to withstand it, and he is going to provide a way out. So don't listen to the haters. You are called to persevere. It says in Philippians 1.6 that, that God who has began a good work in you, he's going to bring it to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. He's not going to start something in you and then leave it. Just leave you out there by yourself? He's not a good father. No, no, no. He said, I'm going to start something in you, and we're going to see it till it's finished. Right? I'm going to decide to skip a little extra part there. So, number one, you got to be able to hear the voice of God. Number two, you got to block out the, the haters when you get rolling on this thing. you got to block out all the haters. Third thing, I stole this one from Nike. Just do it. Just do it. Just realize I put my Nikes on just for that, just for point three. Y'all don't know nothing about these Nikes because they're about 12 years old. Just do it. I'm going to give you a little Bible study tip, okay? We're going to learn about how to study the Bible. Heard this from Craig Rochelle. One way that you can study the Bible is that you use the Bible, right, to study the Bible. It's amazing. So what you do is, like, if you're reading something, it's very easy to take it out of context, right? Or maybe you think you draw a conclusion on what God's trying to say. Well, let's go ahead and look at some other places in the Bible to make sure it's consistent with the thread that goes all the way through the Bible. There's many themes of the Bible, okay? Let's make sure it's consistent with what we see in the other parts of the Bible, right? One theme of the Bible that you're going to see is that when God calls somebody, there's always action associated with it. God says, go. He says, just do it, okay? And so we're going to take a little, little trip through the Bible here on the theme of going and doing what God has called us to do. 
We could be here a minute. I only picked four, okay? Let's start in Genesis. I try to get like front and end, you know, walk us through here. Genesis. God creates Adam. What does he do? He gives him a job. He told him to do something. He didn't want him to be lazy. He said, name some animals, okay? He's telling him to, I bet he even said it like this, go name the animals, right? That's what he called him to do. Very beginning, first man gives him something to do, right? God commands it. He does it. We can move along. You can go through a hundred different men of the faith leading up to the prophets, okay? Many of them did exactly what God called them to do. Some of them got off, and that's because we do too. It's supposed to be a pattern for us. We learn from Isaiah 6, 8. He says, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then Isaiah said, here I am, send me. That's like a cray song right there. Send me, I'll go. Send me, I'll go. Let's go ahead and skip over to the New Testament. Matthew 28, 19. Go, therefore, go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Move on to the epistles. James 1, verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. If you're in the word and you're hearing the word and you're not doing it, you're deceived. Okay? I know, that's, ooh, that one hurt. <laughs> My bad, that came out a little stronger than I thought it was going to, you know. You're deceived, though. you got to be doing the works. And that, I'm telling you, it comes from this. Have a relationship with God. Hear his voice. You start to put the things in, you put the word of God in you, you can't help contain it. You can't help but do what God's called you to do. You can't help but go into action and go because it's just burning a fire inside of you. And so when God calls you to that thing, that sweet spot, whatever it is, let's not hesitate. Let's go for it with everything we have. And I'm telling you, the result is amazing. Okay, we see the result in this story. I didn't have this one marked. Look what happens to Saul. It says, and immediately... Don't you love in the immediately's when you read in the Bible? That's awesome, man. You need, to, you need to pick up on those. And immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight, and he rose and was baptized and taking food. He was strengthened. And when you take your calling out into your communities, there's people that I, I'll never reach if it's not for you. Pastor Rick, Pastor Neil, Pastor Amir, they can't get into your communities. You know people that they'll never get to meet. That's what we in Connect. We make a covenant with you. We say, you do what you can do, and I'll do what I can do, right? Or actually, it'll be you do what I can't do, and I'll do what you can't do, right? I can't get into your job. I can't get into your communities. I can't get into your neighborhoods. That's your job. You bring them in, I'll tell you this much. We're going to soak this church down in prayer. We're going to go to spiritual war for every single person that you bring in here. The worship team is going to be prayed up, and they're going to be pressing, not because they, they want the attention. No, no, they're going to press into the presence of God. They're going to minister to God, and he's going to usher that presence of God in here, and we're going to have pastors who prepare and hear the word of God, a rhema word inside of them that's alive, and it's breathing, and they're going to come out and preach that word. And when that word is preached, hearts change. When you're in the presence of God, everything changes. But it all started with you doing your part because I can't get into your communities. And you see this happen. This is the gospel, what happens to Saul 
right here, all of these things. Look what happens. He saw freedom. Scales fell off. When you bring your friends in, things just start to fall. Chains fall off. I, do, I help with Celebrate Recovery. I teach some freedom material. You see people come. You know when somebody's dealing with something head down. Looks like the weight of the world on their shoulders. That's why Jesus said, come to me, all you weary and burdened. You can see it when somebody's dealing with something. He says, I'll give you rest. My yoke's light. My burden's easy. So we bring them in here, and they spirit's freedom. But God doesn't even just leave them there, right? Because they've brought some baggage in. They get rid of the, the junk in their lives. And then God says, no, I'm going I'm to go ahead and heal up those wounds too. I'm going to provide everything. We see that Saul really, he believes in Jesus for the first time here because he goes and gets baptized, right? Baptism is that public profession of what's going on inside of you, right? So it's, we see him believe in Jesus, and he's going to get baptized, and he gets strengthened. You know, you can go out in your work, and with one word, you can encourage somebody. You speak, a, you speak life into somebody you work with who's having a bad day. Just a single word of encouragement. Why? Because you're doing your part. You're doing your calling. You're walking it out, and it changes everything. And the one thing that I, I would hate for you to question, because I know my mind takes it here too, is when I start thinking about, man, this sounds great, right? Like, okay, God's called me to something. I could do a few things. Okay, I get that. And I can make an impact. Great. It's like, I don't, I don't feel very significant. You know, it sounds better than, what, than what's matching up with who I think I am, right? Um, and I want to encourage you is that each and every person in here you have the ability to make a major impact in the kingdom of God. And, and here's the deal. You can't get stuck in that place because eternity is at stake. The gospel is on the line here, and you can't let the enemy trick you into thinking that God can't use you because he can absolutely use you. And I want to close with a story. And you may have heard this story because I have confused, I'm confused on who told me this story. Um, but it just shows how no matter who you perceive yourself as, God sees your potential and what you could be. He even saw it in Ananias, who we don't even really hear about. Like, you see a different Ananias, and that ain't a good story. Then we come across this one, you know, and it's like Peter is preaching to thousands, and then you see Philip because the, the, some of them scattered, and, and Philip's over in Samaria, and he's preaching the gospel to thousands of people, and God could have used Peter, and he could have used Philip, but he chose to use this pious man, a guy who believed in God, but in otherwise seems like a pretty ordinary person to bring about salvation and freedom and healing into Paul. Can think fathom of the difference that Ananias made in, the, in terms of just biblical history because he went and he, he had that healing and that freedom and that salvation for Paul. Do you see what I'm saying? Listen to this story. Have you ever heard of uh, Edward Kimball? Please say no. Like, literally, say no, please. Okay, thank you. That makes me feel better. Edward Kimball. You never, I never heard of him. I can't really remember where I heard this. Uh, he was a Sunday school teacher, uh, mid-1800s, and uh, he, he had, like, a young, younger boys group, okay? And, you know, they begin rowdy, you know, Tom Bowley, you know them boys, them youth boys begin rowdy, you know, he, and he just had a burden to share the gospel with them. And he felt like one of his students that came to his Sunday school really wasn't getting it. And so this guy was a, uh, he was stocked shelves at a, a shoe store, okay? So Edward Kimball, he went down there, started talking about the difference that the gospel can make and, and just the importance of knowing and having a relationship with Jesus. And in this, in this stock room of the shoe store, uh, this man, this young man was saved. And his name was Dwight L. Moody. 
If you don't know who Dwight Moody is, uh, he went on to preach on multiple continents. Thousands of people were saved because of the message that Dwight Moody would proclaim. He has a Bible institute in Chicago. Uh, We have some people who have been there. I think that's where uh, Dr. Brandon O'Brien was at, right? Okay. Um, He he has impacted literally just thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. Why? Because of the Sunday school teacher who knew he was called. And the crazy thing is, Let's just keep this story going, okay? It doesn't stop there. I'm going to throw you some really fun names now. Because it's something Dwight Moody was doing. He was having a, an event, like a, you know, like a crusade type thing. And this man came there, and his name was Wilbur Chapman. How many of you are thankful you're not named Wilbur, right? Oh, I hope nobody's named Wilbur. I don't know everybody. So, sorry if you're named Wilbur. My bad. Wilbur Chapman came to know Christ at a, an event that Moody was having, and he would go on to be an evangelist and uh one of his events that he had, uh, a professional baseball player. He was on a day off, and uh, he came out to it. This guy's name was Billy Sunday. Came, had a, uh, you know, gave his heart to Christ. Life was changed. He ended up quitting baseball to go into the ministry. He went, he went around with Chapman for a little while. Chapman decided to take over a church. So Billy Sunday decided, hey, I'm going to start doing some of these crusades as well and start reaching out to people. One of his events guy named Mordecai Ham. I'm not going to say anything, just in case, on the rare chance that somebody is named Mordecai Ham in here. Um, <laughs> Mordecai got saved at one of these events and also went into the ministry. And then one day, Mordecai Ham was doing a, an event, a crusade in Charlotte, North Carolina. And this high school student had heard about it and he was, Mordecai was talking about this place, that, like a sinful place in the, in the community that people were going to, and so that some of the high school students were going to. So these high school students, because he was talking bad about this place where they were doing these sinful actions, they decided they were going to come to this crusade type event that Mordecai Ham was having and, and interrupt it a little bit. And so this young high school man decides to go and check it out, and he would return the next night, and he would give his life to Christ. Uh, and this guy's name is Billy Graham. I don't think I need to tell you who Billy Graham is. You know where it all started? An Ananias. Edward Kimball, being a faithful Sunday school student, living out what God had called him to do, even when it wasn't easy. Even when it was tough, he knew it's what God called him to do. Look at the fruit that came from it. Your life can have that kind of an impact. And so I just want to pray over you guys.